Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self Made is a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we're talking with successful business owners to hear their stories of the journey to building their business. And because we know that success in business is not something that we can do on our own, we're taking time to recognize those who have helped us along the way. Today, I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us today. My guest grew up on welfare with a single parent and was the first to leave town to go to college. In his downtime, he enjoys reading devotions, and he is most proud of his wonderful, God-loving children. It's my pleasure to welcome Nathan to the show today. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's start with having you. Tell us a little bit um, about yourself. So introduce yourself. Tell us about your personal story, like where you live, about your family, where you were born, and, and some of your hobbies. Sure. And I appreciate that. Again, thanks for the opportunity. My, uh, my name is Nathan Gabhart. I'm a pharmacist. I graduated at Purdue University. Um, I was uh, born and raised in Washington, Indiana, which is in southwestern Indiana. Um, grew up here. Our family really goes back to 1816 when Indiana became a state. So we still have some of the property that was homesteaded. So uh, obviously near and dear to our heart, uh, but we also love to travel and get out. So we, we have the uh, fortunate opportunities to see a lot of different places, but uh, but no places like home, they say. So yeah, so, so born and bred in, in, in Indiana, went to Purdue, and then yeah, I really started cutting my teeth in the pharmacy world as a partner in a chain of retail pharmacies. And then just through that and, and how life just um, continues to bless all of us in different ways, just had the real privilege of, 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 of co-founding co um, True Scripts. So it's just a, a great opportunity to be where we are. Wonderful. So Nathan, tell us a little bit more about your family. Sure. So I'm, I'm married to my wife, Beth. She's a NICU nurse. Uh, so she also grew up in Washington. Mm -hmm. And she's also a uh, all-world athlete, um, Ironman competitor. So she's extremely competitive. We got uh, three wonderful children. Um, our oldest, Caitlin, is uh, works at a research lab in Vanderbilt. Um, then Ashley is a senior in nursing school in the University of Cincinnati. And then we also have our nephew, who's a senior in high school. And then um, and then our son, who's a freshman in high school. So. Still have two at home and, and two that are out um, in the real world, so to speak. But uh, but they're all still fairly nearby, and we love getting together and obviously spending a lot of time together. You know, uh, faith, family, and friends are are probably the three most important things in our lives. Now, you mentioned that your wife is also an athlete, so tell us about uh, your endeavors. So yeah, so it really, I got in, into um, uh, athletic training and, and triathlons in particular uh, through my wife. Uh, I was a wrestler in high school, so I was always, you know, semi semi uh, in shape, so to speak. But uh, probably ten or fifteen years ago, my wife just got the uh, notion that she wanted to to do some some triathlons. So her and a couple of ladies um, all split um, a, a a race. And then Beth did the bike, I believe. And then the other girls did the run and they swim. So really it started there and uh, we couldn't, couldn't run a mile uh, without really stopping. And, um, and, and then just, then we started running two miles and, and now fast forward, my, my wife's competed in 10 Ironmans, which are 140.6 miles. And, and then I've competed in nine. So, wow. but, um, but we, we all started the same spot. I mean, we couldn't run a mile without wanting to throw up, so to speak. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, so we, 
we get a lot out of it. Yeah, a lot of emotional uh, rewards um, from competing. Wow. So Nathan, um, what's a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today? <laughs> oh boy. Well, I, I, growing up, I'm probably still that, still a little bit like this. It's kind of a, uh, I, I like things a particular way. Uh, and I was always, um, I don't want to say bullheaded or hardheaded, but uh, um, I, I, I like to control things just to, to some degree. So whenever I, whenever I slept um, when I was little, I would always uh, curl my, you know, when we sucked our thumbs back in that, and back in that age, uh, I'd always curl my hair with my finger just as a, you know, as, I just went to sleep better. Well, then it would like stick up and it'd be like a horn. And well, then they started calling me, they started calling me bull because I was always so bullheaded. And um, so a few of my childhood friends still call me bull and um, very few people know why. So now yeah. you and your audience know why. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'll make sure to keep that our little secret. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, tell us about how the business came about and at what point did you have the confidence that you could run your own business? Yeah, so, you know, the, the True Scripts came about uh, about 10 years ago, so, but it really was an offspring of, of the first company that I'd co-founded. So really, as a retail pharmacist, we had we had a chain of pharmacies that we owned um, from Indianapolis on south. And as pharmacists, we were really the ones that that were the middlemen uh, between the patients and their insurance companies. Mm. So, without boring the audience too much, but you know, PBMs and the abuses of PBMs, which were, are the middlemen, obviously are on every channel now. It's 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 a very um, it's a very popular political point. Mm. So everyone's talking about it. But we saw it firsthand back in the early two thousands where. These PBMs were hired by employers, by businesses to administer their um, drug plan to their employees as part of their health insurance. And their their jobs really was to protect the client and to get the best possible cost they could with retail pharmacies and to build a network of retail pharmacies and, and to also negotiate with the drug manufacturers mm -hmm. to make sure that the best drug at the best cost was on the formulary. So that when the member goes to the pharmacy, you just had it, someone, an advocate looking out on your behalf. That yes, this is the best drug at the right price, because our, our system, our, our, our pharmaceutical system is just flooded with drugs that are uh, extremely expensive and have absolutely no therapeutic value. Um, so we saw it firsthand as retail pharmacists when our patients were being forced to switch from one medication to another. We knew as pharmacists which ones were clinically effective, and we didn't understand why are we using a $500 drug when we can use a $10 drug. Right. Well, then these PBMs started buying pharmacies of their own, and then they started steering business to their sister pharmacies. Hmm. Now we had a situation where the PBMs were negotiating on the client's behalf, but they're negotiating with companies that they own. So as we started seeing our patients have to walk out the door and use another pharmacy, and, and we knew the writing was on the wall and we knew what was happening was just not right. So long story short, Tim, I had a neighbor who was extremely frustrated with his PBM. One of my pharmacy partners and I were sick and tired of, this, of the PBMs. And, and we all collectively said, look, if we can create one, you know, we may have our first client right here. So we decided back in 2005 to 2006, that's when I co-founded our first PBM. Mm. 
Hmm. And I served as CEO and co-founder of that company from 2006 to 2013. And, and we ran pharmacies and then we ran the PBM, but we're always able to keep them separate. But as life does, uh, it deals us um, different situations in life. We all have hardships. We all have emotional and physical hardships that we all have to face. And, and I wish we could all be much more open and honest about that and quit putting up this successful front mm, that we're, per yes. that we're perfect because <clears throat> that puts so much pressure on everyone else to keep all their stuff on the yes. inside. Yeah. And it's just so, so destructive. I so can't I was just, to that point, Nathan, I, all of the folks that I interact with, when I share that other, you know, business owners in the same boat, like, really, I thought it was just me. I thought, you know, I look out and I see all these successful business owners and I think I'm the only one that's struggling. It, it's sad that that's, that's the view that we all have. You're, you're exactly right. And we become our own worst demons, so to speak. And then we perpetuate it. And then our kids are watching and then guess what pressure that puts on our kids. You're right. Yeah. So, so really, um, just to kind of speed through some of those some of those transitions, I mean, the, the PBM and the pharmacy worlds, both of our companies were really doing extremely well. Um, I went through some personal issues. You know, my brother had gotten killed in 06 and, and it was a tragic loss and it just went through a two or three year period of this emptiness. And I never had been, you know, extremely dedicated to any my, to my faith and definitely not to any particular denomination. Um, but I was always, 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 always a good person, I guess you could say. So after about three or four years of just trying to figure out why is this emptiness inside? Because uh, I had a beautiful wife, beautiful kids, two extremely successful companies. Heck, I grew up on welfare. I had, you know, more money at that point than I ever imagined we would have had. And, um, and, and so that finally went to a, a church retreat. And I told my friend after the third time of saying no, I was like, look, I'll go. But the first time some guy tries to hug me, I'm out, <laughs> I'm out of there. I think these, these, these cuddle huddles or whatever you church people, that, that is not, that's just not me. So, so Tim, I went to this retreat and uh, after 30 minutes of being there, obviously they know how we all feel right so they 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 take that into account and they have it all laid out where you're so comfortable and then you start hearing these other men's testimonies and these pillars of the community that you've always kind of modeled your life after you start sharing their testimony and and you're like what you know you're like you too you know and 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 so then that just really set my life on a different trajectory and the lifestyle and, and the culture that I was working within at that particular point in time, it just became clearer to me that, you know, this isn't how I want to live and this isn't how I want to run a company. Um, I want a company that could give anytime that we wanted to give with absolutely no um, ulterior motives. Uh, I wanted to have a philanthropic company. I wanted to have a company of, of servant leaders mm. and I wanted to have a not normal company. So. <laughs> Uh, and then I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a curse, but you know, in August of 2013, something happened with one of the companies and I thought, you know, how could this possibly happen? And, you know, I, I wasn't forced out by any means, but in a way I was semi forced out, um, unbeknownst to, you know, my partners. Um, 
And, but it ended up being an absolute blessing. Mm. And it, it, was, it was as if God reached down and said, okay, this is the time to create the company you always wanted. Yeah. So I spun off, I started with absolutely zero clients. Um, a number of the folks I'd worked with wanted to come along with me. And I said, look, as long as you don't need paid, come along, <laughs> but, I, but I can give you a piece of the company. So fast forward today, I mean, we'll, we'll do about 300 million in total revenue this year, probably 400 next year, and probably over a billion in four years. Um, and I could care less about any of that. I, I don't care if we flatline from here on out. And uh, we tithe, uh, we tithe a lot, um, and we expect our team members to tithe th their time. Um, and, and we want not normal people who are looking out for others. And it's amazing on how God blesses us back when we bless others. Yeah, so, but, um, so anyway, uh, so here we are. Um, We've got clients and members in all 50 states. I've got employees and team members in nine states. Um, we have a leadership team. I'm no longer the CEO of True Scripts. we got an exec executive team that's just phenomenal. Awesome. And um, so, yeah, so it's just, I mean, yeah, 30 years ago, I, I was – 32 years ago, I was on, on welfare. So yeah. um, wow. I'm not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Well, Nathan, share a story where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, even though maybe you didn't think you could and the impact that they had on you. Yeah, absolutely. So in, in high school, in one of the pharmacies I worked in, uh, it, it's funny because it's, it's, such, it's, it's such a different world. It's, you could smoke in the pharmacies back then. <laughs> and uh, the cigarette ashes was like, would actually fall on the counting trays. And I was always amazed on how the pharmacist could blow just hard enough to remove the ashes, but not the pills. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> we must have done that a long time. So I was just talking to one of the pharmacists and just listening to him on how and uh, why he was a pharmacist and just being able to interact with the customers and the patients and just the um, the, the connections you build with them. Yeah. And so that, that was extremely incredible. So, you know, that was Joe Spalding was one of the first pharmacists that he worked with um, early on in high school. Uh, so that was extremely powerful, great, great blue collar guy. And, um, and then in college, you know, I, I had a professor that um, I did not get in. Well, first of all, I did not get into pharmacy school my first two tries. And and that, that's awesome. You'll never see that on any of my bios or any of that. And <laughs> I, I keep asking my team to put that in there. Um, but but they, they don't because obviously everyone wants the Instagram version of their bio. <laughs> so so I had to apply three times. And then the third time, I really got my act together. The first My first semester, I just simply... I partied too much. I mean, <laughs> full disclosure. Made three C's and a D. And I was a straight A student in high school. Made three C's and a D my first semester. Made all A's and B's after that. But that first semester, I just couldn't get that weight and average up. Sure. So finally got in. And then during the interview process, one of the professors basically suggested that I find another major. Mm. And he said, you know, here, here you are. Look, look at your track record. You know, just, just give up. Um, so... <laughs> So then, so that pushed me because I knew I didn't have any other option. Mm. And then it was, it's so interesting because then three years later, um, I was then the first national officer for the Academy of Students of Pharmacy in the history of Purdue University. There was five of us out of 85,000 pharmacy students. And I got the fortunate opportunity 
to get elected in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. So then I was I was in all the conferences at all the seminars because I was one of the golden children. And I <laughs> always made sure I made made eye contact with that one professor who was sitting in the back and my table was always up front. And um, and I, you know, I, I thanked him a couple of times just because he was the only one that really told me the truth. Yeah. And uh, and that was the truth from what he saw on paper. But I, I knew. I, I knew what I wanted to do. So that's awesome. Wow. So Nathan, what about um, your biggest learning as a business owner? I'm sure there's been many, but what would you say is the biggest one? So the it's probably what I'm going through now is, is whenever you're small and you have a small team, that's the really, as long as you're capitalized, as long as you have the, the, the cash, the cash flow of your business, then that's really the best time. That was my best experience as a business owner because I knew every communication because I could overhear it. You know, we're all in a small office and I had 100% of the entire scenario over every client, every relationship. I had all the data points that I needed. Yeah. So then as we continued to grow and, and now, you know, I get updated maybe monthly or biweekly right. uh, and, and, and some things, things quarterly. And that's probably the, the the hardest thing I've had to do now is to give that trust mm. over to my executive team. Yeah. And um, I, I call it the it, it factor. Um, and that's instinct and tenacity. Uh, because just, just like in a race uh, in an Indianapolis 500, when that pocket opens, I mean, you don't have time to think about it. You got hit. <laughs> and so, but I'm always being updated after the fact. So I'm always... Yeah, <laughs> try to try to check, check myself that I'm not hindsight quarterback. Hey, right? Yeah, the Monday the Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like you don't know exactly what did you say to them and what was your tone. And so that that's probably the hardest part now because I enjoyed the one on one interaction. I enjoyed the relationship building. I enjoyed getting to know them and their family, and to know what who they were as a person. And now, you know, like we brought on more clients this past month than we did our first year. Wow. And it's just like, it, it, it's, and I'm not complaining at all, but I, I grew up on welfare. Sure? I, I, I have no desire. I have, if I die with a lot of money in the bank, then I have not lived my life right. right. So that's my goal is to die uh, virtually broke. <laughs> um, but it's not to be, I mean, we could sell the company now and, and have high nine figures. It's stupid what they pay for PBMs just because of the amount of money you can fleece out of a client if you don't have any morals. Right. But um, but really, it's the uh, the learning how to let go. Mm. Uh, it, it was it's the toughest. It was the toughest thing for me personally. Yeah, I, I, I hear that a lot with everyone that I work with is, but you know, nobody knows how to do it as good as me, or it's just easier if I do it myself. And, and I, I, I always play back that might be true in this minute or in this instance, but it's not true, you know, over multiple years of you continuing to do those things. And, you know, the, then, you know, you've got to let go so that you can move on to the next version of yourself and right and the next version of the company mm -hmm. and be able to delegate. So I'm, I'm so excited for you that you've been able to to let go. And even though it's challenging, but trust your team to be able to take it on. That's awesome. Well, and I'm sure my my team would say, well, it hasn't been as smooth as he made, <laughs> made it out to be. But, uh, 
but yeah, that's definitely that, that that definitely was one was was one for me. But 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 you know, early on in the career, though, I mean, obviously, as any business owner would tell you, whenever he or she jumps out and jumps off the ship, and and you 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 feel that headwind, and everything is resting on your shoulders, and you look around, and all these livelihoods are are counting on you to get that next client, and or to ensure that your AR gets turned over, and 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 et cetera, et cetera. You know, that's a lot of pressure um, in, internally, but but we always try to set the company up where we wanted to be a debt-free company from the start. So, I mean, we had our office furniture was donated, wow. and um, we still have one of one of our offices was was is don't still today um, just as it is as it was, uh-huh. and it's donated furniture. And and whenever my team gets too high and mighty or too pompous or too <laughs> you know, whatever, I, I send them to that office and uh, kind of like a timeout. I'm like, look, right. this is what built your scripts. Yeah. And it's because your $12,000 stand-up desk isn't functioning properly. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Nathan, we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. So Tell us about one of your biggest challenges during the years and maybe a fellow business owner who came alongside you and helped you through that. Well, I tell you, I can't give enough credit to to my partners at True Scripts. I mean, they both took a huge risk whenever they they gave up very successful careers to, to come on board. So having Kevin and John as my wingman really made it so, so easy because one, they taught me how to be just a better person. Uh, a moral person, and um, and two, their their skill sets really complemented mine and with my gaps. So that was extremely important. And then really by the, the association of, of friends that I had as a result of that one of the retreats I went to, you know, some time ago. Yeah, I joined a prayer group from that group from that retreat and uh, had a different circle of friends. Now, one of them is probably uh, the number five ranking state senator in the, in the state, and, and, and we're actually leaving this, this afternoon for a retreat. And, um, but just the, the people that, that got surrounded by, uh, that I surrounded myself with, that God surrounded me with, um, really it was, was instrumental. So the self-made myth really is, you know, if you don't have the right circle of friends in your personal life or in your professional life, um, you, you're not going to become the best versions of yourself. Um, and if you're not, you know, nurturing your, your spouse, and that's something I need to do a much better job of, you know, my, my, my spouse, spouse than Jesus Christ are the two that go to the back burner immediately whenever Nathan takes over. <laughs> yes, right. And, and no matter how many crosses you put up on the wall or whatever, I just, <laughs> full, full honesty, it happens about every three hours. I've got to just, just like, stop. I appreciate your transparency, Nathan. Hey, if I asked you to pick three specific people that um, were part of your business owner journey that you're most grateful for being there for you and helping with your growth, who would those three people be and how'd they help you? Sure, I'd say you know the first one I would say was probably you know, Joseph Balding, who was one of my first mentors, um, you know, in, in high school. He um, obviously was a pharmacist, and, and and really going back earlier to that than that, I mean, I worked ever since I was in the fifth grade because you know we we had to if we wanted to have candy or whatever we wanted to have. Yeah. So the, one of my my very first boss was the the owner of a grocery store, and his name was Doug Campton. And I'll, I'll never forget, it was a Monday afternoon. It was probably 1987, 1988. And I got paid $1.50 an hour, $1.25 an hour. Yeah. And <laughs> to do the stock. 
and uh, it which netted me eight, nine bucks for the week, which was plenty um, to, to get a Coke and a candy bar every day at lunch. Anyway, one day uh, I was, he was paying me and he gave me a dollar 75 an hour unbeknownst to me he gave me a 50 cent raise uh. just because he said every time he looked over i was my back was always bent i was always working i wasn't overly talking to the customers and you know i was my attention to detail especially on the baby food aisle which was the worst you know making sure everything <laughs> was. So, so that taught me attention to detail and just do the right things and the right people will notice mm. and, and and don't keep looking over to see okay is he is he watching and I remember I just I, I literally walked home on clouds that that night. So, wow. <laughs> so that really transferred over to me now is, you know, I'll give you, for example, I mean, last two years ago, we did not hit our, our growth goals. However, our financial performance outpaced where we thought we would be. Mm. Um, so we had, I had a dilemma. Do I keep that excess or do I give it back? Yeah. So we gave back a million dollars to our team. And it was the most incredible moment I think we ever had. And, and we didn't have a ton of team members at that, at that point in time. So we simply did the bite of the math and said, look, you guys probably deserve it as much or as, or, you know, at least as, as I do. So, so that really stemmed from early on in my career. Wow. And, and then more, more currently, you know, I would say, you know, the opportunities I had at Walgreens headquarters back in 97, um, I was able to, uh, they selected me from Purdue to, to come up and work at Walgreens headquarters for a, a summer. And several of my predecessors were C, CEOs now, former CEOs now. And um, so that experience was really uh, interesting just from a corporate perspective. Um, so, and then some of my former partners in the pharmacy world, you know, when I got out of college and, you know, they were just some, some great guys as well. So I've always had good people in my life. That's fantastic. Nathan, as we think about the next three to five years, what are the biggest challenges you see that the company's going to face to get to the goals that you want for your business? And who are the types of people you're going to need to help you overcome those challenges? So, so the the biggest goal I think we have, or the biggest challenge we're going to have, and in, in our goal is is to continue to focus on our purpose, on our why, and our and, and that is to to help make others the best versions of themselves. Uh, and, and for instance, you know, financially. So if we can help and, and mentally, um, as far as in the prescription drug world, mm -hmm. if we can continue to process these prescriptions one prescription at a time, and to know that there's an actual person using this medication for a specific reason. So let's make sure that the medication is the best for that particular diagnosis so that person can return back to normal activity. Mm. Let's ensure it's at the lowest possible cost so that that person and that employer can have as many dollars left in their pocket as possible. Now we plant these seeds and let's do that with love. Let's do that with charity. Let's do that with purpose. And let's do that with kindness. And then maybe they can take that and then spread that to their communities. So the, that's easy to do when we did a hundred thousand claims a year, but now we're in the two, and half, two and a half million this year, 4 million next year. So now what we're doing is, is we're putting other metrics into place and we call it our care bear program. And, and, and it's basically this, the, the thought process is, is yeah, now that you're taking 200 calls a day per person instead of 10, we need to make sure it doesn't become automated or robotic. Uh -huh. So one of those people, one of those calls, two of those calls are going to be pretty special, meaning what that person is going through on the other end of the phone. 
And those those interactions where it's a young mother dealing with a, a child that just got a, a cancer diagnosis or just some terrible, terrible trauma, and they simply do not know what to do, that's when you grab a, a care bear, and it's literally just a, a teddy bear, and, and make a handwritten card and send uh -huh. to that mom or to that dad. And when they get that and they see that you you actually are thinking about them, wow. just the impact that's going and no ROI. We don't broadcast it. We don't tell the client, hey, look what we did. So that does two things. One that keeps us our team on their toes, because if we see someone hasn't sent out a care bear in a month, we're like, all right, come on, you've got to you have <laughs> at least one interaction. So that's the ulterior mode. That's the guardrail is yeah. to make sure that we don't get too too um immune to it and then two this and you know how it is tim when someone smiles at you or just shows you a, a simple act of kindness yeah sometimes that's the most heartwarming um thing that you've experienced that day even if you got a bonus check from your work right. if someone was just overly kind or generous to you that probably that that hits your heart more than anything monetary does yeah wow that's awesome. I love that. And, and you're right. It, it, for some people, that could be the only kind gesture they got all day, you know, because yeah. the world yeah. can get jaded sometimes, right? Yeah, it is. And we always point, you know, we always point this way. If, yeah. if, uh, if the Democrats would take over, it'll be better. If the Republicans take over, it'll be better. <laughs> right? If Purdue wins the national championship, it'll be better. It's always outwardly. But if we all just look in the mirror and focus inwardly and just change our, just change our, life and then you know, then let's worry about someone else yeah it, it i can't remember the the uh, name of the song but it reminds me of uh, a, a christian song about um that's why it, basically the point is that's why i made you right so like jesus's jesus's message is that's why you're there is to make a difference in those situations stop stop pointing the finger at others yes and, and an hour from now, I'll be pointing a finger at someone else. So <laughs> Fair enough, right? <laughs> I need I need as much help as anybody, and that's um, it, it, we're all in this together. Yeah. Jim Rohn said that we become the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. So, as you think about that quote, what advice were, would you have for business owners who are trying to do it on their own? So you, you, you have to know your, I, I, I internally always ask why, W-H-Y, what is our why? Why are we doing this? Mm. So you have to ask yourself, why do you want to do what you're setting out to do? And if it's to make a million dollars or to have a house in Hawaii, um, there's no advice I can give that person. <laughs> um, so you, you have to, you have to know your why. And then with that, you have to get like-minded individuals on board. And that's the challenge and is to get at least one or two people you can really depend on that can almost finish your thoughts. And that's and then be willing to be generous. And, and like I, I gave up 48 percent of my company, which today is worth <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid. It's stupid. I can I can tell you that my partners will watch this. They're not worth it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not worth it. So, but you know, someone's got to take it, right? So, so I, you have to be, you have to be generous, and oftentimes um, uh, greed obviously is going to be destructive. So you you have to you have to be generous with with the company. Mm -hmm. So, and then you have to be crystal clear with your purpose. I, I, 
in, internally, I always say that we're the Chick-fil-A of the PBM industry. We're going to, you're going to, you're going to come in, you're, you're going to be, we're going to be closed on Sundays because again, that's our, our day of rest. Uh, we're going to uh, have a limited menu mm-hmm. and we're going to provide a product that you have never seen in your life. Wow. And we're going to provide an experience that you've never seen in your life. Yeah. And we're going to do it. We're going to get as big as long as that becomes replicable. Mm. Once it's no longer replicable, we stop growing. Got it. Because I, I'm not concerned about adding another zero to my W-2 statement. At this right. point, it's just it's just dumb money. <laughs> I'm not, not saying the government should take it or anything like that. Um, but the point is, is that what it, it, it does get progressive because now I, I'm in the situation we're in and, and, and we get contacted monthly, at, at, at least monthly from either private equity or, or, or competitors. And when you think of EBITDA times 15 or EBITDA sure. times 18, right. You're like, Whoa. I mean, you could, you can make a lot of people <laughs> extremely wealthy in your community uh, by giving that away. So, this, so, so there's always going to be people pulling at you. Yeah. So, but early on, you have to be crystal clear on what the foundation of your company is. What's the purpose? And that's one thing when we launched our company, I mean, we lost a half a million dollars our first year. Uh, but we said, we're going to tie the large percentage of our net income every single year. Mm. So the first year was easy. And, and, and <laughs> right? we, we would have got, gotten paid. But we, <laughs> we implemented that from day one. And now you know, we've, we've given away millions and millions and millions of dollars. We do it quietly. We share it maybe in situations like this, just yeah. to try to help encourage other business owners. Look, share yeah. the wealth. Yeah. And you will be... I will guarantee I'll get a, a client two weeks from now that I shouldn't have gotten. And it just happens. Yeah. And it's like, I don't understand it, but you can't, you simply can't outgive God, but you have to have a team and you have to have, in, in my opinion, you have to have brutal honesty with those core team members mm. that are building your company. Cause they're going to see you at your worst. Right. They're going to see you when it's extremely. <laughs> yes. And, and you need to know that they can, uh, one, tolerate it, but two, stand up to it mm. and be that sounding board to say, look, stop. You're, you're, you're acting like an idiot. We're not going to do this. Yeah. And they, they can take ownership temporarily until you get your senses back about you. And, and do not surround yourself with a bunch of yes, yes, sirs or yes, ma'am type of people. Yeah. That will destroy uh, a young company. Um, without people being comfortable about being honest. Yeah, wonderful. Last question here, uh, Nathan. If there was something catastrophic that happened uh, in the business today, who's the first person you'd call and what would you want from them? Oh, let me see. Good question. Um, I'm not sure exactly how to answer that. There's a few different directions I would go. I mean, from a financial perspective, I wouldn't care because I know what it feels like to be poor. And I kind of like the thought of having to go out and, you know, fend for myself again. Because uh, <laughs> you do get lazy, you get fat and lazy, as they say. <laughs> but, you know, I think I would call, you know, I, I guess some dear friends that are, you know, ministers or in the clergy. Um, because right now I feel God has given, and again, I'm not, I don't want that to be taking, taken out of context. I'm not saying that 
if you're faithful, if you're a Christian, that God's going to just hand down every single thing that you need. Um, I'm just saying that the, the, the belief or the love in a higher being of some sort really keeps you down the straight and narrow, in, mm. in my opinion. So I probably would reach out to some of my my brothers in the faith and just simply say, boy, I had the I, I had the vision of of philanthropy and of, you know, we, we want to build a few different types of facilities in the private sector to help folks around. Yeah. Um, we haven't announced any of it yet, but you know, now those dreams. So the first thing that would come to my mind, Tim is okay. Now those dreams are gone. Mm. And, and now what are we going to do? And you know, how can we accomplish these goals? Sure. So, so that would probably be my first one. I mean, my team members, obviously, I think we have a dream manager that we hired. So we want to work. He, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, he worked with all of our team members to help make them the best versions of themselves. And 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 I told him his goal, I told him in, in two years, I'll know he's successful if we lose two team members. Mm. And he his mouth just kind of dropped and I left it at that. And about two weeks later, my HR came in my office and said, hey, did you tell Travis to fire two people? <laughs> and, <laughs> And I said, look, I was like, we got 109 people, 109 people did not wake up and say, I want to work for a PBM the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> some, of, some of those folks are teachers, some are preachers, some are nurses, some are missionaries, some are yeah. fill in the blank. Yeah. I want to know who they, they are and let's help them become that person that they want to be. Yeah. And how cool is that going to be when they're a successful fill in the blank and we provided that launching path? Yes. That's yeah. our goal as a company is to make people the best best versions of themselves. And in the meantime, they're going to make the best product mm. that we create that you've ever seen. Yeah. Wow. Nathan, it sounds like you've been blessed with some incredible people who have helped you on your journey. If they were all here on the show today, what would you want to say to them? Uh, well, one, just uh, thank you for their, um, their, their forgiveness. Uh, and what I mean by that is I, I'm not a back patter uh, i'm not a cheerleader i'm just you know i always call it the right side of the decimal point you know good enough is never good enough and that's probably one thing in hindsight that i probably did the poorest job of is just thanking them along the way and just um making sure that they all know that you know, I, I may be the majority owner and founder of true scripts but the company i created had five employees and, and 10 clients the company they created have 109 employees and, you know, 400, 500 clients. So for them to be as proud, for them to be more proud of True Scripts than what I am, because they've contributed more to its growth than I have. And just my apologies for not recognizing them along the way. Mm -hmm. um, when you're in the trenches and you're taking bullets and, you know, you're just <laughs> yeah. trying to conquer the, the other side. So that's probably been the, the the collateral damage of this is just being super driven that um, I forget about that emotional connection. So yeah. so just to apologize and let them know how emotionally um, just thrilled I am um, that that they were along my side. Yeah. Amen to that. That's awesome. Nathan, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. You too, Tim. Thank you. And thank you for your mission. This has been wonderful. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread this movement by liking the show and posting about it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to BeMadTogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward, and I'll see you all next time. Take care.